Thanks for listening to Dead Set on Living. If you haven't done so already, go back and listen to part one of this attitudinal healing podcast. It'll be a lot easier for you to follow along. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now, here's your badass host who once fought a bear on the mountains of Corsica, Lynn Bravo. Or have you been working on specific fears? I just wondered if you'd noticed any difference in in how you perceive or react to situations yeah. that may have caused you fear before. So, is- I'm not sure the A to Z sort of thing, but but where it is is I allow the fears. I don't. I'm not working on any specific fears. Okay. They come to me. Okay, they're presented to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm very aware of that. So yeah. what I need to be working on will come to me in some way, in some form, um, and it's fun because. You know, they could be could be something small, and that just puts put a little attention on the fear around that and mm-hmm. exploring that. Yeah. But each time it comes down to the same thing. As I said, it's somewhere along the line I'm separated. Yeah. You know, the but more you you have an awareness now. Oh, like big you, time. Now you're aware when fear is coming in, coming into you. From I feel like very. Source. I feel yeah, yeah. very clearly. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Because because you know so, some you know let's take the fear of jealousy for example. We don't usually sit there and think and, and experience mm-hmm. jealousy and then say, "Oh, I'm really feeling jealous." Like it just you just don't think of the fear no. that way, right? You start saying and doing really harmful things to yourself and others out of jealousy, but you're never sitting there thinking, recognizing that it's jealousy that's making you do that. So, just the awareness. In that fact, it's, if I said, "Lynn, are you jealous?" you'd say, "No." You know, that's, it's, it's that much yeah. of a, it's a distancing. Like pe- yeah, people from wouldn't the, even yeah. admit mm-hmm. to being a jealous mm-hmm. person, right? So, so yeah, it's, so it's like that. Like I use jealousy because that's one we can one. all relate to. And, uh, and it's something that we won't admit to quite often. Mm-hmm. But all our fears are like that. You know, you, you, you say and do things in your life coming from a place of fear. And you're not always, you, most people aren't aware. So just the fact that you're now aware that it is a fear that's, that's, hit, that's come to you and you're, and then, like we talked about, pulling ourselves out and saying, you know, why am I feeling mm-hmm. this right now? That third person sort of place is great because it's another way of being aware that the fear is there. And then you can start looking at why did I, what happened that just made me feel like this and yeah. what might be the root cause of it and all that thing. Just that, that step of analyzing and recognizing You're fear coming is to know huge, yourself that huge, way. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. I feel too that they, it's be important to point out that as, as we work through this process and we have these recognitions as you were talking about, it also allows us to see it in others. This is self-work first yep. and then it translates to others. Yes. And so, for example, if I'm with somebody and, you know, I've known them my whole life and they make a comment now that seems like they're being pushy or bossy or whatever, it's really coming from a fear of theirs. Mm-hmm. It, and so I can also see it in them, which oh, helps yes. me so much yes. because I'm like, she actually doesn't think that I'm not capable of like getting up and brushing my teeth and getting dressed. She's just anxious. And this is how it's being expressed. Yes. And when I do that, I don't even get stuck there. Right. It's like, allow her to be her. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to fix the other person's fear. That's not my job exactly. in, in, in a way at this particular yeah. moment. But I am able to offer something that to, such as love to that fear. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that a lot with my mom, for instance. That's mm-hmm. someone that you, you may have a, a, a close relationship with and, and they're the people that can really trigger you nicely mm-hmm. uh, often. But, but, but that was a big change for me. Like my relationship with my mom now is so great and a big reason for it wasn't that she changed, it was me that changed because I changed on how I perceived her and I recognized her fears why because now I can not only stand back and look at why I might be feeling fear about something but I can see my mom struggling with some sort of a fear and and there's all kinds of reasons where that could be coming from from her childhood from her youth whatever so I now am very much more compassionate and sympathetic to how her fears translate into her actions and what she says and and like you say was that from this process oh yeah it's happening to me now but i'm not where you're at but absolutely from Mm -hmm. this this was the big change for Mm -hmm. me was going through this process and and interestingly well especially because it was my mom it gives me the opportunity to help her explore it a bit they can just say little things that that might because she's open to healing herself as well in that regard so I might say you know can you think of why you might be feeling this right now and and she might tell me it was because of something that happened when they lived through the war like they had the heck bombed out of them in Liverpool where she was raised so she had to live in shelters and you know, they'd get out of the shelter and the next morning and the house next door to theirs was flattened by a bomb, you know, like it, it was terrorizing. And so there's all kinds of things that, that, that are affecting her and her, her 90 year old life now mm-hmm. that are, can stem back to that. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an imprinted fear from things that happened when she was young. So it's, it's neat because she's finding that she's, could have encouraged to explore so it's like being of, in a way you can become of service to others because you can if they're willing and interested or ready you can help them explore a little bit and just be the person listening you asked me about recognizing fears and if there's new fears and so what happens is i'm recognizing that i have had fears that have existed for a long time and been completely unaware so for example um, I travel a bit because my husband's a pilot. Sometimes it's last minute. And so this particular day, it was like sort of a last minute flight overseas to Lisbon. And I'd never been to Portugal. I'd never been to Lisbon. I'd thrown my stuff in. So I'm walking through the airport and I was just really aware. All of a sudden, I was just really aware about how anxious I was. And then I was aware that I'm always this anxious when I travel and it comes across as being annoying because <laughs> I was being very high strung. Right. And so my husband has to pilot the plane. So he's walking with me to the gate and, and he can feel my high strung energy. And, and so I just decided, I just said, hey, Michelle, why don't you just lay that down and let this trip fly? Why don't you just walk forward and go to Portugal and not even care what happens? Just see what happens. And all of a sudden I started to get giggly. Oh, really? I got this feeling <laughs> and I thought, oh, and I was talking to Chris and I was sort of spacey and he says, what's going on with you? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I just feel really good. <laughs> so I felt very good. And so when I just, just from that process, so then we got to the gate. There's a second part of the story was he takes off. And so now I'm sitting there and it's a flight to Portugal. I've never been to Portugal. So now I'm observing all these people and they were all from Portugal. It wasn't Canadian. Uh-huh. And they all seemed to know each other and they were boisterous and they were loud and like it was, there was this woman in front of me talking with her hands and she was, and I, and I also, I believe was judging her. So I was like, this woman's very loud. I'm trying to have a peaceful moment here. Enjoy this, this euphoria. And all of a sudden I also went, wait a minute, stop that. Look at that woman. And so I can't explain the rest because it's without words, 
but I, but I started to observe the woman in a different way in her interactions, what she was doing, what she was saying and, and seeing myself do the same thing because uh-huh. that was point of that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I had like a massive, it was just like this huge, just this feeling. It's the inner peace. I can't describe it in words, but I carried it with me. It was almost like I would want to say to people, can you not, can you not feel this? <laughs> you know, I'm sitting in an airplane full of people waiting to take, I'm like, can you not feel this? And then the second part is that I fell asleep when the, right after that experience, I fell asleep overnight and they couldn't wake me. I wouldn't, they couldn't wake me for food. They couldn't wake me for anything. Like I slept the whole way. I'd like wow. open my eye, just go back to sleep. I just slept the most deep and peaceful and beautiful sleep. And that was sort of connected to this, this huge decision to just lay down and walk through that fear. I'm like, I'll walk in this country. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Why am I so fearful? And yeah, it was really neat. That is awesome. Yeah. Story. <laughs> but I didn't know I had that fear my whole life. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I, that's a big, a big yeah. healing for you. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I think we've covered that the health is inner peace and healing is letting go of fear chapter very well. And so now why don't we move on to the third principle, which is giving and receiving are the same. And we've been looping through that everywhere because that goes everywhere right? I've always thought there was two groups of people in the world. Then you like there's givers and there's mm-hmm. receivers, right? Like I, I really separated the two things all my life, really. I, I found that by when, when you come to realize they're the same thing, it's really a hard concept to explain in words. We're going to have another trouble with explaining I it in words, but, but it is an unnatural thing and, and it doesn't allow us to neutral ourselves or other people if we don't understand that giving and receiving are the same thing. So we'll, we'll take a shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> because the reason with, like if you're always giving, what you're saying to the receiver oh. really is, you know, I'm weak. Uh, you're, you're weak, I'm strong, or you know the, I know the answers and you don't, or, um, uh, you know, you need help. I don't, it, 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 it can be, uh, but, but it's the way I lived my life for years. Like I was a real giver and, and, and you tend to think yourself quite, quite wonderful yes. because you're giving, like yes. I spent decades like you being a giver. Like you deserve an award or yeah, something. Like I yeah. should have got a medal mm-hmm. for this. And it was like decades of me being that because for me, it was about being in control I like having to control myself and others and the things happening around me. With noble effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I was the unhealed healer. I was trying to heal everyone as an unhealed healer myself because I was trying to find what I needed by trying to heal other people. Like instead of finding what my own healing within myself. And uh, I was looking for, you know, I would pick people that needed help for partners or, you know, I was, or I would look to my family or friends and, and be really focused on the ones that I thought needed help. And so I was always constantly giving what I thought was, you know, my time, attention and love to them. But wow, was I ever wrong as time passed by. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, it, it took it, it took a long, long time for me to come to understand that. Like you, until you heal yourself, you can't you can't uh, authentically help other people. And because helping other people isn't doing it for them or telling them what to do or anything like that, being healer or being of service to others is just 
kind of creating the opportunity to listen and create the space and set by example how you've traveled this road and it worked for me Mm -hmm. and here's what I went through uh, and it worked for me well but it's just from them observing your life it's not from you telling them this is what you've got to do because it worked for me it's stepping back and just being the example it's like we just talked about in the earlier one with with Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama you know we we all they resonate with us because we see the example they're setting yes. of how they're living their lives and how they've found their inner peace. Right? It's not them saying you got to do this, this, and this. No. Not that they don't give wisdom; they do. But I realized that all those years I was doing everything for my partner, for my family members, for whoever, my business people. I was robbing them or cheating them out of the opportunity of finding their own healing and inner wisdom and everything else because I was doing it for them because people are human beings it's kind of the human condition right if somebody is going to go and do your work for you you kind of let them a lot of people do sure (laughs) if you want to do this for me yeah go ahead so that is a bit of human nature like there are people that are happy to, to receive and have someone else do them and they you know for me it was an example of that was when I when my dad died suddenly because I was the most like my dad everybody seemed to sort of uh, resonate with me as being the replacement person, the rock to cling to. And I took that on because, yeah, I can do this. I can be the rock for everyone to cling to. And I, I, I think I told this in another podcast, but it got to the point where I started to flounder. It was like being a, dr- a person that was saving drowning people. And there was so many of them that they were starting to drown me. And I didn't know what to do. I was fairly young still in my late 20s, early 30s. And so I just thought, I don't know what to do. So I left the country. Like I literally mm. left the country for three years <laughs> and just ran away. <laughs> but it was doing that was the first step towards healing for me as well. But uh, but interestingly, when I came back, everybody piled on again. I, I was the rock still. Still and, bringing that. But yeah. I had so changed. And it was like I just was saying earlier about my mom that, that, you know, it wasn't, no one changed, only I changed. And I stopped being that. I stopped being the one that was... Uh, trying to be the the uh, you know having a bit of a christ complex in a way thinking you can heal everybody yeah we tend to think of of love as giving mm-hmm. and so it's a natural thing to feel that when we're giving we're loving right and i think this process has really taught me that like love is a great equalizer like mm-hmm. it removes any of that and and i very much resonate with what you're talking about if I could take a stab at explaining giving and receiving are the same, and it's just a do very it. weak stab at it. Just do it. I'll just do it. <laughs> is if I can express when I am receiving and it, it isn't, it's just receiving. And it's not something, again, that I've mastered, but it, it, it just happens. When you're focused on something, it happens. And so it's happening. You're not even aware of it. At the same time, I'm giving. I can't be giving unless I'm receiving. It, it, it goes hand in hand and conversely the other way around. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the perspective here. And so receiving, I can't receive somebody if I'm invested in myself. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't, it just completely blocks it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how noble my efforts are, how my thoughts. And, and, you know, when you start this journey toward yourself, and we all do at some point in our lives, whether we're young or old, you always have this idea that you do have within you this ability and you can be all these things. You're mm-hmm. aware of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not as easy as just stepping out and becoming that. Yes. And and so that's okay though I'm learning because that this process is far more beautiful when you make these discoveries or when you have these moments. 
And so when, if I'm actually receiving somebody, it is just an energy. It's not me. Mm-hmm. That's another point. Mm-hmm. It, it's me. But I, I, I'm not in the same Michelle. Like it, it, it's, just, it's just a beautiful mutual exchange. The infinity sign is looks like a number mm. eight on its side, and it's that flow going back and forth and back and forth. Some of the examples they gave in the book, I think, can kind of give a good understanding of it. One was, you know, I think many of us have walked into a room and you feel the room, right? Yeah. They use that as an example. So you can feel whether you're accepted and and people are, are looking forward to meeting you and seeing you and so on. You can feel that in the room. And so the acceptance of you being there and everyone resonating this this openness to you being in the room coming in the room if you're emanating that back again if you're walking in with the attitude that you're happy to see everyone receive everyone you accept everyone who's there Mm -hmm. that's the back and forth resonance right Mm -hmm. when you come in it's going to be a nice smooth transition to chatting with people talking with people uh, you know giving your your greetings and and feeling happy about yeah. the exchange and so on so it's kind of that feeling where there's this back and forth flow happening it's all it can more be energetic as. because it's mm-hmm. it's just that feeling you have of 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 how you're being received when you enter a room so i thought that was a, a good way of explaining it cuz i think most of us feel that have felt that before can you imagine if that's how it was all the time <gasps> Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, one of the exercises in this book is sitting in, you can do it with yourself in a mirror, but it's better to do it with another person is just to sit uh, knee to knee without your knees touching and chairs facing each other and just look into each other's eyes, but don't break the look. You're mm-hmm. constantly looking into the person's eyes, which you and I are going to do soon I because we need to, to do that yeah. part of it. That was, was an amazing experience of it really helps you understand what giving and receiving is it, it, more than anything else. Because when I did that, when I took the course in attitudinal healing, I was sitting across from a, a young woman who was suffering with addiction. Uh, she was a, an indigenous woman, actually, but she was maybe in her 30s. And we sat opposite each other and the exchange over that 10 minutes, like it just, I, I again, not something that's easily explained, but... I was looking at her, she was looking at me, and then she suddenly started weeping, just weeping inconsolably, and, but she never broke her stare. And it was like, it was like, it felt like she felt safe to o- open up the window into her soul and share that, that there was a lot of suffering in her life. And yet as she, as she released all that suffering that I could see, it could make me cry now talking about it. It was so emotional. The suffering I could see in those windows in her eyes, it eventually it, it stopped flowing. And, and then I saw strength in her, like, and I, I saw, I saw her feel strengthened by, the fact that I was able to help let her let that out, let, let those feelings out, that she felt supported. And it was a, a time passed and, and I felt that she, there was gratitude there at having, having been able to express that. And then all of a sudden I started, you know, when I think I mentioned when I was in this course, there was people who had, you know, what I would have defined as very deep suffering. And I, you, you sort of measure your suffering and I didn't feel like my suffering was like her suffering. <laughs> but she, her, her, the shift in her was that, was that she wanted to exchange the gift, right? And so 
I, I started weeping inconsolably then, and I was letting out my suffering in the form of tears. And, and she, her eyes were, were connected to me in a way that was supporting that was, that was, it was like she was loving. You felt like you were being hugged and loved and, and were able to release that. And, and there was no measure of the suffering. You know, it wasn't that one of us had more or less suffering than the other. We both suffered in our own way. And then afterwards, there was just this peaceful quiet. And it was almost like a meditative state at that point where we were still looking at each other. But but there was just this real exchange of of giving and receiving like i there was no feeling of one having given more than the other or received more it's, than the and other it's also without words yeah so i think it's like for me it's important and i've, I've acknowledged that words as much as i love words <laughs> i love to read love words but i i feel that they really dimin- diminish this certain aspect of of ourselves when we're really coming into the realness of who we are and the fact that it's just looking into somebody's eyes and so much is said and yeah. understood. But, you know, and it, and it felt timeless. That was what was yeah. weird. Like, it was like I felt, you know, you're suffering perhaps more than me now in your life. But, you know, in other, it's like a whole lifetime or many lifetimes of suffering. Like, we're human beings. Suffering is part of being a human being, right? So it was like, it was an exchange that felt like hundreds and or thousands of years of suffering were exchanged because it didn't feel like in this life it just felt like it just felt like an interaction with a human being like you'd never experienced before because when we communicate with people we have trouble holding people's eyes right and if you do hold their eyes they think you're a freak yeah. <laughs> so, so stop staring is that at why they me. get weird okay yeah and so like we tend to dart back and forth, right? Yeah. It's just something we do because it makes us feel uncomfortable staring and, and then you also are conscious it might make the other person. But to purposely stare, it's like it's like it opens the door on being human. It's a human exchange like you've never experienced before. It's so our really souls amazing. are in behind our eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it really was profound. So I can't wait to do like, that journey with you. I get that would be lovely. Yeah. I haven't had that it's, experience. It's it, Because it's giving and receiving you aren't going to benefit more or less from it than I am. It's just this wonderful exchange and whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. But there's this feeling of equanimity, right? Like equanimity. It's, yeah. That, equanimity. It's, that it's just two people that have taken the time to exchange love. I've done the exercise before and I, I would say that, that it wasn't, you know, no blame on myself, but it, my intention would be more to be the giver. Yeah. And so it didn't work out. Well, and that's, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you you're sitting there thinking, I know this person yeah, probably needs show you consoling. How deeply and, yeah, you're loved. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. And and probably we all would have done the same thing, yeah. except we'd reached stage three. So we in this in this discovery of giving and receiving are the same. So we were in a different place in our minds doing this, yeah. ready to give and receive. Uh, I feel like again, this is something that as parents, for example, or as teachers, it's something that's missing in how we raise our children is, is the understanding of that giving and receiving are the same thing. I don't think a lot of people 
think to involve their children in a way in the family and in school that's going to help them understand this as, an, as a teenager and an adult. And so, you know, kids are, are meant to achieve at school. They're meant to do their homework, come home. You might give them chores to do, whatever. But they're all defined channels that they have to try and work through and muddle through and either they do well or they don't sort of thing. But if you understand that giving is receiving, it's it's looking at your child. It's great if you can start with a, a younger child, rather, but in, in any time even as Makes an no adult is, is good mm-hmm. too. But as a child, if you can, because children are so cool because they want to give all the time. Like there's no one more unencumbered by, you know, the, the, the weight of society and parenting and all that sort of stuff than a young child. Mm-hmm. Kids want to, they want to help, they want to do things. And kids have their own, their own abilities and gifts, right? So as a parent, if you can see and look at your kid and see what it is their gifts are and where they want to give and where they're going to be good at giving, you nourish that. And mm-hmm. so what you're teaching your child is, is that not that you have to do these 10 chores, but you're part of the organization of the family and you're going to be giving, being part of the family by doing these things and helping in this way. And that will help evolve your gifts, which could be many fold. Like my son, Alan, for example, was always mechanically inclined. Like he was a real builder in that. And my husband Warren and I aren't that way. Like Warren Allen could always just look at something all in pieces and go boop, 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 and put it all back together again. So he had really great mechanical skills. So, so we were always asking Alan, you know, you know, Ikea box is here. Can you build this mm-hmm. Alan? <laughs> no, but you know, or fix things or whatever, or I, you know, took something apart and I couldn't remember how to put it together. So I, I, I recognize that as one of his skills, right? So he was always the guy who didn't fix things and help build things and that sort of things around the house and was very helpful and he knew he had a, a role to play in the family. You know, some children are very, um, you know, they're, they, you can see they're passionate about like preparing food or cooking or baking. So you involve them more profoundly in the process of feeding the family. Others might be, you know, into outdoors. You know, Alan wasn't the one into the gardening thing, so... That was, that was a chore for him to help in the garden. <laughs> but, you know, other children might love gardening and being in the dirt and growing and stuff. So they help do that or maintain the garden and stuff. So just looking at your child and seeing where they love to give naturally, where because it comes naturally in, in many, many, many ways. Some are social and, you know, it might be them that you've got company coming and they like to pour the lemonade into the glasses and to bring it out on a tray and serve everyone because you know Mm -hmm. that's a fun thing so so you can if you recognize these things in your children and if schools would start to see that as well and try and help children understand what giving and receiving is it would make for like this would help because it's meaningfulness and purpose right in your life and harmony so if if a child's natural joy of giving is nurtured I think they'll find their way to live a more full life as a teenager and ultimately as an adult. And uh, rather than looking for life's meaning in drugs, money, material goods, achievement, because sometimes they get too hung up on that, and sex, right? So this is this is helping to form a healthy, balanced adult that, that will understand the concept of you are what you give, right? And we, we haven't spoken about this before because this is so on point for me at this time in my family life. Because so there was a period where I was just so regretful, and, and I'm not wasn't the world's worst parent. I love my children dearly, and they, you know, given them the best childhood. We all try to alter what 
our childhood experience was that we was missing for us. Yes. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you replicate the same thing from the other side. <laughs> so, you know, we don't get into that. But but I'm so recognizing children and, and the importance of these lessons that we're speaking to and there's no focus. Um, but it's not too late. So I have children that are just graduating high school. And We've just, I've just completely reevaluated how, and I, and I still, I don't feel it's ever too late to be no, an example and to be a support of unconditional love to my children and to allow them to lead mm -hmm. um, and to allow them to not be constrained by the expectations that are generally out there today that are causing teenagers so much anxiety. Yes, yeah. And, you know, but it's That communication is so important with yeah. them and, and just opening the door to that opportunity. Like it's, it's not, not a bad thing to say as a parent, you know, with your yeah. almost adult children, you know, I really see how, how I, I could have made it more enriching for you for sure. to find yourself and who you are as a person right now. You're just being shaped by all my beliefs and all the way I yeah. do things and you're just following suit, but yeah. you're an individual. You're yeah. not me. I, you know, here's some of the things that I see in you that aren't me at all. Yeah. So you're your own person. I'd like to to, to give you the opportunity to explore that more and, and give you more say in, in how we do this or that. And, and that can happen at any age is, is, is giving children, helping them form the, the, because it's interesting, for example, like if, if you're looking at disciplining your child, children can find the best form of discipline for themselves. If you give them the opportunity to do that, instead of saying, you're going to go to not have your you iPad for happen? a week, you know, you talk about the situation and say, you know, it seems that you're having a little problem, maybe uh, keeping on track when it comes to this, you know, what would you say would be something that would help motivate you to stay on track? So they're basically looking at, you know, well, if I couldn't do this for a week, that would, uh, that would, you know, really help me resonate with me that I'm, you know, I need to change my behavior, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, like you, you're just helping them form a, a set of, of parameters for them uh, growing and maturing and becoming responsible adults mm -hmm. and happy adults by helping them shape their own world, right? And, and Sounds like a very healthy world. And yeah. taking their thoughts in it because we tend to just, the schools and parents tend to just impose their values and their beliefs on their kids and they never give them a chance to express how they may see and the world And they're not separate from us. Like the schools and the, and the teachers, I feel, really represent our values. Yeah. You know, it filters it filters both ways. Mm -hmm. and so I, I totally agree. Um, with all that and I feel that if we change our values and we do this work that we're doing here um, the inner work mm -hmm. that 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 transfers to all of that without yeah. us sometimes without us having to do anything other yeah. than to live our lives that way and parent that way and speak to other parents that way you know, it's very difficult with parenting because when you talk about the methods of parenting a lot of opinions come in mm -hmm. and uh, it can be very painful that would have been when I was a young mother yeah. that would have been very hard for me you know, mm -hmm. why are you giving that baby a bottle to walk around with? Mm -hmm. Don't ever do that. You're going <laughs> to rot the baby's teeth. And it's just like, oh, no, <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a focus. And, 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 and my heart does keep going to children as I go through this mm -hmm. and wishing that children had this opportunity because imagine. Yes, I know. Yeah, me too. But, but we can also look back on our childhood, our schooling, mm -hmm. our parents and, and, you know, what we've done so far uh, in our lives. And, and like you said, it's never too, too never. late to change because just recognizing that that's what happened to you as a child, you were shaped and formed by other people's opinions and beliefs. Mm -hmm. That just helps you open up the door to realize, wait a minute, like I've been doing this all my life because that's what my parents did or that's how I was mm -hmm. taught in school. But that's not really how me. That's, that's not how I would 
I would be at my best, you know. It's just opening up the realization that you 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 aren't those people. You are your own person and it, it helps you open up the possibilities of, of understanding yourself in a yeah. in a new way. We were talking about this in this book, one of the chapters that uh, this chapter of um, Principle Three, they talked about Benjamin Franklin, who we love. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> he's the best, and he flies kites. I mean, how awesome is that? He's a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. But there was a section in the book that I really liked about this, and Benjamin Franklin's perspective was: is that since we're giving all the time, we may as well be responsible about it. <laughs> yeah, and decide what it is that we want to put out into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so but in his autobiography, Benjamin Franklin talks about this and he wanted to improve his relationships and communication with other people in his life and um, and could correct all what he understood was his faulty thinking. So he found that he felt better emotionally and spiritually and in and his relationships went more smoothly when he practiced what he researched to uh, to be the 12 virtues he ended up adding a 13th one because somebody told him he was being a bit boastful i think yep. and and then he realized oh humility that's yeah. another virtue so yeah. he added humility but the ones that he included were temperance silence order resolution frugality industry sincerity justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and then at the end, the humility. Um, So what he did was he just took, um, like he took a month and he picked one of those. So for example, say he was picking, well, humility, for example. So he would spend that whole month, you know, making notes uh, when he when he noticed uh, where how how he was res- how he was expressing or giving hu- the lack of humility in his in his day, and then he would start trying to work on that to to create better humility or to be better at being humble, and he would just work on that one virtue all month and and record when he when he didn't do it how he could have done it differently, and over that month he just got better and better at the humility thing, <laughs> and and because of that. He, people were cha- react changed on how they were reacting to him and interacting with them, and he found that it really improved his relationships with everyone, including at work. And so then it became a habit. So after a month or so, he the humility became a habit, and then he worked on one of the other virtues. So you can just write down, you know, maybe whatever five virtues or that five things that you really feel are important uh, to work on, and and then just take one and tackle that and try and live a life of humility, for example, for a month and until it becomes a habit. And he just worked through them all and found that it totally transformed his relationships with others, and 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 again that giving and receiving because. Because he was being resonating humility, then he was receiving humility back from others, right? So, and all the same with all the others. So I thought that was really neat. <laughs> I think it's really neat that you keep saying humility because when that's the one, I feel like the, that, you know, whatever power nudged him and said, please put humility in there. Yeah. Um, because if, if I could say when I'm in a giving and receiving for me, um, it's humility that allows that. And and I was raised very differently. I mean, we all were. And, but but I was raised that to be humble was for losers. To be giving was wrong. Um, to be competitive, to have the most things, to have the most money, to be the best looking, to be all these things. That's what I was raised that would give you a happy, safe, and secure life. Mm-hmm. And everything that's happened to me has has been a journey to unravel that perception. And so... The gift of humility to me is the opposite 
of all of those things. Mm -hmm. And if you come to somebody with true humility, not false humility, like really like true humility isn't like me trying to, it's, it's just a natural course of events where it just comes through. Mm -hmm. Um, it really, like the, the receiving and the giving just flow from there because we, we are coming together as equals. Mm -hmm. We're, We're coming together. Um, everything can flow. Um, I think it's the Tao that talks about if you stay low, that everything flows in. Mm-hmm. So it's allowing yeah, exactly. it to flow in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so humility and humbleness come to me a lot, and and they they often play out um, in certain ways. And so every lesson that I receive sort of gives me that reinforcement mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm able to stay humble. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of somebody that's seeking approval, yeah. seeking from external. Yeah. yeah I, I, it makes me think of my, my dad, my dad passed away when he was uh, 56, but that's what I really remember about him the most is his humility and kindness. And, and it wouldn't matter. Like, I'll tell you, I brought some pretty questionable boyfriends home over my life. <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, it wouldn't buddy. matter who they were, what they did. Like, it, it, you know, it, it, whether I brought, you know, a, a, with someone who, who was doing a, a, a more lower job, let's say, that like wasn't highly educated and might have been a truck driver or, sure. or uh, um, you know, a janitor or something like that that's a little lower on the educational scale or a doctor home. My dad never treated anyone differently. Like literally you would not know. Like he could be talking to a homeless person on the street or a, a scientist and there was no difference in how he spoke to them and engaged them because he always was curious and interested in them and asked them to talk and about their, their life and what they do and why they do it. And, you know, if it was someone who was having a you know rough spell in their life and was a homeless person he'd be asking you know what was it like and where did you come from and you know what, what you know we just wanted to learn all about what it was like doing what you do and what the experiences mm-hmm. were and like he just it was always really genuine and ominous like you say it wasn't false humility at all it was just this genuine caring and interest in who you were as a person and tell me all about you and in your life and what's yeah. it like for you and you know what are your dreams and aspirations like I always thought that was so admirable so that's probably why I was bouncing off the humility one as well because it, it is so easy to get caught up in false humility and mm-hmm. uh, or even blatant not humility <laughs> no humility at all so yeah I thought that was really cool and, and I've I have having done this book tried doing this where I might think of a, of I might be aware of myself behaving in a way that isn't perhaps as virtuous as as uh, as as I would like to be and then that pops up and then I think about it for weeks mm-hmm. and thinking about you know where is this coming up in my life and how can I change that behavior and release that so that that I am experiencing a more uh humble life for example yeah, yeah the riches from being humble mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah so Michelle, just wanted to quickly wrap up with, with maybe where you are with this principle right now. So one of the things I discovered when I was doing this was is that whatever I was feeling and giving out, like uh, if I was, like just, it's easy to, to real to visualize this. If, if, if I'm just feeling off and I'm feeling a bit crabby or whatever, if you're off, you, people will know this. Like if you're feeling a bit crabby and off, and so that's what's coming from you, that's what you're yeah. giving out even people who you know are normally good natured are going to start to get like irritable or cranky with you because you're giving off the cranky nature out from you. So they, it's response. So it's easy, you know, if you someone can really feel if it, if you come in the room and you're happy and lighthearted and smiling or into a situation that way, 
people will automatically, like even if they're having a bad day, if you're coming in and you're, you're sort of smiley and upbeat, they'll shift because they're going to make that infinity loop with you. They see that you're in a little up and that sort of makes them feel good or a little bit better. It puts aside their worries or thoughts and they'll start interacting with you on that level. Of, a cashier of will elevation. always reflect back to you exactly yeah, where I, you're at. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I'm always chit-chatty and you get to know them and you, yeah, like I'm always very positive and say things and I thank the person who's putting the stuff in my bag and and very smiley and happy all the time and you really get a ton of feedback from the cashier it's actually really kind that. that it comes right back at you because you're know. like oh so that's a really yeah. simple way of understanding what it is you know so so when you were working through this principle have you sort of are you becoming more aware of how what what's in you and what you're giving out is 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 going to come back to you yes in, in, from and it's people? always coming back to you yeah and you can say that it's not you coming back to you but it is yeah it and is. it's as simple as i have this beautiful dry cleaner what a great man and i'm in there all the time with uniforms and great customers and one day like I was just nodding <laughs> and it was rushing and I, and it was one of those days where I knew I was doing it. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it anyhow. I'm just going to rush through. And, <laughs> and boy, did he give it to me at the checkout and it wasn't warranted. It was really unfair. And I'm like, I remember I was a little ticked off. I'm like, Hey, I'm a good customer. You know, you shouldn't be speaking to me like that. And then I went, Whoa, like, cause it's just your energy bringing it on. Cause yeah. you came in here. Like not oh, mad at him, but I had a whole bunch of stuff going on. So yeah, there's this tightness that comes. So it's kind of kind. I say it's kind of kind because, you know, noticing it on a small level is a real gift. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's an opportunity. Nothing major is going on. I can change my attitude. I can befriend my dry cleaner again. <laughs> he loves me. But yeah, so <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So so yeah, so it's a gift in that way. And I think an offspin that I'd like to discuss is. Because you become observant of all interactions and because you're listening for your sort of your support or your guidance along the way, however that's interpreted to you, mm -hmm. you just become sort of immersed where everything that's needed, everything you focus on sort of comes right to you as a lesson first in the giving and receiving. So if there's a chink in there or if it's humility or if it's paying attention, you're not the teacher, you're not, you know, you're actually learning, whatever it is. But, but I just really feel that I just become really conscious of the present. And also that every single interaction in front of me isn't, is, is, isn't, isn't unplanned. It, it, it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. So whatever I'm working on, the opportunities flood in, whether it's because yeah. I'm filtering in that way or not, but it really truly seems like everything conspires to teach me that yeah. first in a nice way, then maybe in a stronger way. <laughs> and then once I've learned that lesson, be prepared because it's going to come to you again to see if it's fully yeah. fully in there. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the crux of this whole thing is you you give unconditionally. Mm. That's the thing, isn't it? Right. So there's no expectations. Like I can go into a situation all bubbly, smiling, happy, and somebody it's may be having that. such a bad day that I don't get it back. Mm -hmm. But th that's okay. Like yeah. it it you know, if if even just for a moment you've you've given some lightness to that people's life and, and you didn't get you don't have to get it back in other words. There's no expectation. You're just giving you're just giving unconditionally and then you 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 move on and, and know that 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 still would have had a positive. Yeah, so if you're positive and something's person. negative, it's an opportunity for you to recognize that yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and forgive it because yeah. you do that too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest. If we were all real and honest about what other people do, you hear it. I used to hear it younger in girlfriends because you know girls talk and you know you have groups of girls and they'll be talking about that one girl that sort of everybody's ganging up on. 
But everything they're criticizing that girl for is what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. very plain, mm-hmm. you know. It Let's is. be honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because we will be talking about that as another principle. Mm-hmm. Of, is basically is that you know whatever whatever you're feeling is just you, about someone else is just. In other words, I think we it's phrased like whatever you see in someone else that's a that's a fault. You are it's reflecting back the fault that's already in you, or you wouldn't have recognized it in the first place, right? That's become clear through this process. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, you're still going to say, but you know. But, like, you know, why am I seeing, I don't to be political, why is Trump saying that? I don't know what's happening. But there's some aspect. There's some aspect there. You wouldn't be seeing if it wasn't important. Yeah, and it applies see. to everything. That yeah. is another principle that we'll go into more detail yeah. about. But you you, you literally would not recognize it as, a, as something that triggers you yeah. if it wasn't in you already. Well, thanks, Michelle. Thank it's you. been really fun. It's fun to see how you're moving through, and and we'll do a little one-on-one work together. On yes, these, Art, um, we need to sit together. Yes, and mm-hmm, uh, and and we'll uh, we can share how that goes with us uh, with our audience in the next next round. But thank you very much for coming today. Thank you, and and thank you for this opportunity because it's it's not only the you know the podcast and discussing it with you. It's a real life process, so it's giving so much to me and I and I, and all the people around me. So thank you. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Michelle. If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.